We can't afford to feel guilty about the space that we are currently occupying. You just have to live out where you are based on your knowledge, your perspective, and seek while you're living in your season to gain the wisdom of women who have a perspective you don't have. But don't exchange that because you're not where they're at. I mean, if you're a young mom and this is new to you and, you know, your kid is sick and you got to call them, call the pediatrician to figure out, okay, what do you need to do? Do it. Do it. Because you haven't done it before. And that's okay. I really believe that each of us has a mama meter and it's kind of like listening to the Holy Spirit. The, The more often you do it, the more you trust it. listening to episode 71 of the God Center Mom podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Crystal Evans Hurst. Crystal is a daughter to Pastor Tony Evans here in Dallas, and she has a sister, Priscilla Schreier, who writes and speaks, and her brother who sings, and another brother who just graduated from seminary this weekend. And Crystal herself writes, and she wrote, co-wrote a book with her dad called Kingdom Women. She speaks. More than that, she's a mom to five. She has two older girls and three younger boys that she currently homeschools. I love chatting with Crystal and learning what I can from her. I feel like she's in a unique position of already launching a daughter and still knows the day-to-day grind of having lots of boys at home. So I know you're going to love her advice and her wisdom. She's got a lot of great tips to share. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Crystal, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, Heather, thanks for having me. So how's your week going? I think it's been busy, huh? Hellacious. (laughs) (laughs) I have two finals. I have a 10-page paper due tomorrow. Don't ask me, have I done any research at all? I have close of year um, activities for kids I've got um, a brother graduating from college on Saturday, and this would be the week that um, the gym called me and said, hey, we're having tryouts on Saturday if you want to make it happen this week. Really? Tryouts to be like an instructor? Yeah, because I got fired the last time. (laughs) I was a spin instructor at 24-Hour Fitness, and they have rules that I didn't read about how often you have to teach. and. Instead of teaching within 75 days, I taught on day 82 because I took a break for the summer. And they were like, no, our system shuts you out. So I had to, I've been waiting since September to re-audition because the only way I will teach, well, the only way I will exercise is if there's an accountability for me showing up. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So in all of that that you just said, you just reveal a lot about what you're doing. (laughs) So, So Crystal's in seminary. Yeah, that's what they tell me. Yeah, that's what they tell you. You sign up, you take classes, and you also have children. There are five of them. There are five of them. So so introduce everyone listening to your children. Okay, so my husband and I have a blended family. On our wedding day, we each gave each other a gift of a girl. And so I brought a girl, he brought a girl. You know, all God's children have girls. So Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys gave each other a girl. We gave each other a girl. They are now 23. That one's married. Yep. 19 in college. And then the boys, Team B, um, they are about to be 12, 10, and 6. Okay. Which I totally get. 
And I love when you post stuff about your boys and um, you homeschool them. Yes, mm-hmm. I homeschool them. Yeah, I do. And did we, you remind me, did you homeschool the, the girls? Yes, we um, it was an accident. It wasn't supposed to last. <laughs> it was an accidental homeschooler. <laughs> and we started and we just never stopped. Yeah. So we just take it year by year and look at our kids and what they need and what we can handle and. We haven't stopped yeah. so far. And you've tried different, like, combinations of things, have you? No? Like you mean, like, in terms of schedule or curriculum? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I've pretty much, I'm a curriculum junkie. So <laughs> I've pretty much, if it's out there, I've either tried it or purchased it used so I could decide if I wanted to try it. It's pretty, it's pretty sad, actually. But I'm a great resource because of that. <laughs> yeah. This is what we were just talking about before we got on the call. Like, you're a great researcher. And I also wanted to have you on the show because I feel like you have the unique position of perspective, grown daughter, married, high school, yes. and then three boys still at home. So you're kind of in the midst of the crazy, but you've, like, launched someone. So yes. you yes, can, like, is. help us out here. I, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think that. Um, yes, it does grant me perspective. And yeah. every now and then I realize that when I'm talking to a mom who has her current perspective and that's it. And I see a little bit more, but I'm not um, a free for all. Like, you know, my 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 mother, sometimes when I ask her questions, I'm like, really? Where was this person? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like she thinks she did it all right. Like I never let you watch TV. And well, you always- or that she her suggestions now. I'm like, really? My house would be in chaos. You know what I mean? So oh, I see. I you're saying like that's not a, a realistic. Solution. Yeah, I just think yeah. there's a balanced. You know, not perfect, of course, but a balanced view. Like you said, because I've done it enough to know what I'd change, what I'd fix, um, and ha- I'm still doing it to put some of those things in place. If you know, if I. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And you also, I also love that you love Jesus and you have good perspective in recognizing the hum- the humbling position of motherhood and, you know, kind of leaning into him. So welcome. I'm very excited to hear. I'm and- excited too. I, you know, I don't talk about motherhood yeah. as much as I should I think. I mean, it's a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I talk about so many, so many things. And I think I'm really excited about just honing in on this one topic today because it's one that I really love. And I've, you know, it's like a lot of my life, pretty much. I've been a mother as long as I've been an adult. So, wow. I mean, it's yeah. just my deal. And you've made it a priority, right? Like some people, when they've been a mother since they've been an adult, are ready to then, you know, move out of it and you've chosen to you could send your three boys off to school and you've chosen to like make that a priority in your yeah day. and I mean and it's it's a balance I mean I something yeah. um a flip of um a switch flipped in my head I think when I turned 40 mm. um I think I was like I'm halfway to death so this train <laughs> is gonna have to oh my <laughs> this train is gonna have to pick up some speed and I think there was some there has been, and I'm still kind of working through, you know, this idea of balance. I think we, um, again, because of perspective, I think what our dedication and our wholehearted commitment looks like may be different in different seasons based on the reality of what else we have on our plate. And sometimes what you have on your plate 
is just that you need to prioritize taking care of yourself. But, you know, where's that balance between what you need to do to take care of yourself and then, of course, what you still need to do to be a great mom to your kids? So I think that fulcrum is always moving. Mm. Um, But I think, yes, I do make them a priority. But I think what priority looked like at 25 and 30 is different than what it looks like at 40 something. (laughs) Well, like we just mentioned, you're in seminary. So you're not putting all your attention and time towards the homeschooling. You are investing in in your future and your future desires and where you want God to use you. And you've spent some time in your life being the single working mom. I have. I was a single mom for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've lived that life Two. I've loved them all. I've been the working mom, the homeschooled mom, the stepmom, the, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> much done. So, okay. So let's, if, if you met a mom and, you know, she didn't maybe have the perspective and the experiences you did, what advice would you give her in, in your experience? Well, what would you um, want to make sure she knew? First of all, I would want to tell her that it's going to be all right. Whatever she's struggling through, this child will never be potty trained. This kid is never going to obey me. Um, You know, are they ever going to make an A? Are they ever going to learn how to tie their shoes? Oh, my gosh. When are they going to start rolling their eyes? Stop rolling their eyes at me. Not that there's not action that you take. Not that there aren't things that you should do. Not that there's not books you should read or mentors you should um, seek the wisdom from. But I think... The main thing I see when I talk to moms um, who have a concern in their motherhood Mm. is they're just stressed out like they'll never get over that mountain. Mm. And so because they're working so hard, I keep trying to turn off my notifications and it's not working. (laughs) I don't hear them. So you're fine. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because they're trying so hard to climb the current mountain, Mm -hmm. they're like heaving and out of breath and stressed out. And there are mountains to climb in motherhood. But I think if we could just say that 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be as bad as what you think. They're going to turn out. um, You know, you're going to put everything that you've got into them. And then you just kind of have to release them and let them go and just know that it's going to be all right. If I could just get people to relax a little bit, get moms to just take a deep breath, that would be the first thing that I'd want to say. And then after that, I would say, realize that you don't control a thing Mm -hmm. because I have seen, including myself, parents do all the right things. Parents do all the wrong things. And the parenting, the motherhood, while it totally makes a difference, it doesn't determine or or, um, define in a exact, specific, guaranteed way the outcome. Mm -hmm. God was the ultimate parent. Adam and Eve in the garden had him as their father, and they disobeyed, and they, like, messed everything up. Mm. So I feel like now, you know, God, through time, um, we've seen, of course, Jesus Christ enter in history. And I'm not trying to be all super spiritual deep, but, no. you know, God seminary fixed student, it. student, whatever. <laughs> I said before I went to seminary. Oh, I okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so um, God, yeah. So God fixed it. I mean, I'm just saying the outcome was okay. They still messed up. So if God was the perfect parent and his kids messed up, we have to realize that, yes, we should do all the right things. And yes, we should love on them, just like God did with us through time and history. But 
We have to realize that after we do what we do and we satisfied our conscience and we have parented and mothered in honor um, as we would do in honor to God, we want to you know, instill faith in our kids and teach them boundaries and guidelines and give them good character and read to them and take them to soccer practice and all that. They are individuals with a free will mm-hmm. and you don't have control over that. Yeah. So I think if we could just do what we're supposed to do, trust that it's going to be all right, trust that God loves them more than we do. And parent with an open hand. You know, Chuck Swindoll said that one, uh, said that um, Corey Tenboom told him that. She mm-hmm. asked him how old his kids were, and he was telling them, telling her. And she said, Can I give you a piece of advice? And he said, Sure. She said, Hold them with an open hand. Mm. And I think the challenge in motherhood is that we want it to go right. Why not? We're putting our our hearts, our time, our energies, things for ourselves on the back burner. We're spending money. Mm. You know, our treasures, we're pouring into our kids. And the tendency is something that you treasure, you want to hold on to it because you don't want it to get messed up and you don't want other people to mess it up and you don't want to lose it. But our children are God's gifts to us that, yes, we are to manage, yes, we are to cultivate, and yes, we are to love and pour into. But at the end of the day, they're not ours. Mm. So we have to hold them with an open hand, do our part, and then trust God to do the rest. I think that's really good. And I think I think ultimately what you're saying, too, if we're looking back to the God example with Christ, it wasn't like God was like, oh, no, they messed up. And he was shocked by it. <laughs> well, what am I going to do? Hey, Jesus, you're going to have to go down there. It's not like that was a last-minute scramble. He knew we would fall. He knew we would need to deliver. That was all from the beginning of time because mm-hmm. he's without time. He he saw the whole thing. So he's not surprised when our kids have train wrecks mm-hmm. and that that's going to be what saves them, you know? Exactly. I, I'm sure our own parents <laughs> with our own mistakes, right? We're like, what? I thought I did everything right. And then God redeems them and and, and draws them back to him. Well, that's the gift of a grandparent, I think, is that you have somebody who's raised their kids and they do see the big picture. So the reason why grandparents can kind of be hands off and kind of Mm. say, "Eh, it's going to be okay, is because they have that godlike perspective. There's a big picture here. They're going to mess up. They're going to drop the ball. They're going to have a tantrum. You know, they're going to, you know, embarrass you in public. But at the end of the day, you know what? They're going to grow up. They're Mm going to grow up and it's going to be okay. Do you think part of it, too, is that in our culture, we kind of blame the parents, like even in our counseling or in our, you know, if we see someone on the news, we're like, what did their parents do wrong to have a kid like that? You know, it's kind of like if they're at the park, they look to the mom, aren't you going to control him? Like, I mean, I had a son with a stick walking around and a mom was like, do you know whose son that is? Oh, that's mine. Raise my hand. <laughs> like, hello. And she said, he has a stick. And I said, I know, I think he's pretending it's a horse. She's like, well, I just don't want him to hit anybody with it. And I'm like, all right. I mean, <laughs> but it's it's one thing if we have in our head, you know, head, I can't control him, hands, you know, I ultimately it's God's. But then we live in this culture where they do put that blame on us. That's yeah, why so I, I you struggle. have to accept in yeah. advance what blame you're going to take on. Yeah. Just because it's handed to you doesn't mm. mean that you have to receive it. So Ooh, like I told my right girls, there. told yeah. my girls. I, I was an apologizer, like for real. Mm. I apologized for everything. I was like, you know, if I if it was something, if I, you know, didn't talk to them right or, you know, jumped to a conclusion and jumped down their throat and they really hadn't done anything wrong, you know, whatever. 
I would say, I'm really sorry about that. And then right about the time they got to be in the range of 17, 18 years old, kind of seriously and joking at the same time, I said, so here's the deal. You may need counseling one day. Mm. And it may be the free kind because you're going to talk to your husband about me. It may be you talking to your college roommate about, oh, my gosh, my mother won't get off my back. You may need to pay for it. I'm apologizing now. So you don't have to come back to me later and say, Mom, you know, you just really <laughs> I just need you to say you're sorry. I'm like, I'm getting it on the table now because I know since I'm an imperfect person, I've done something as a mom that yeah. you're going to have to work through. I don't yeah. know anybody, even the best parents who have not had a child that something in their life they've had to work through, positive or negative, Mm -hmm. they've had to adjust as their own individual people and figure out what are they going to take, what are they going to leave. You know, they hear their mother's voice in their head, they can't get rid of it, all this stuff. So I just think we have to decide, you know, not that we're not willing to engage with our children and to be the parent and to, you know, to, to be responsible, but we have to decide in advance whether they're two or whether they're 20, what really is our part, what really is, um, I don't want to use the word blame, but you know what really is our responsibility? And if it's not, don't own it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's handed to you, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. I mean, when my daughter went off to college, the oldest one at Baylor, and she was talking about having a car and everybody has a car. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, the, um, um, the, it was like a pale yellow, like a pastel Hummer. Mm. Somebody had a Hummer. <laughs> no, they have. I mean, they have some nice cars at Baylor. Like, what? No. And she mm-hmm. said, see, mom, do you see what I'm around? Do you see? And I said, well, you know, here's the deal. You're here. Now, right. I'd be more than happy to take you and my money and put you in a state school and take the difference and get you a car. Right. But since this is what you chose, this is what we can do. And in that moment, I, you know, she would bring it up a couple of times and I was like, I don't want to hear it because I'm, I'm, I'm writing big checks here. <laughs> and, um, What you're feeling, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking guilt about that. I'm not going to sit there and go, should we have saved more? Should we have, you know, in that particular instance, um, you know, I don't own it. Now, there are other times I've had my boys, my oldest boy, he said to me, mom, um, because we have this rule about no electronics in our house, um, at least a couple days a week, just nothing, no screen time, just nothing. There are two two days where they don't have it at all. And then the other days they have to earn uh, earn it. And so... um, he said, Mom, you know that rule that we have about no screen time? I said, mm-hmm. yeah. He said, why doesn't that apply to you? Ooh. Oh, my stars. <laughs> I've been waiting for them to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and oh, I, wow. You know, my, the inclination, and I did start out this way. I said, well, hon, first of all, you know, it involves work. I'm working. Just like you do school, some of my work involves being on the computer. And, you know, I went down that road. Yeah. And then I was like, but what he's really getting at is not all or none. It's about a principle. Mm. And I can take ownership of that. I said, but you know what? After I played the defensive card, I said, you know what? You're right, though. There are times when I'm on it and I don't need to be. And on mm. these days, you're right, that I can mm. do a better job of disengaging um, from my screens as well. Mm. You know, so I, I didn't want to ride the guilt trip about it, but there's mm. a way to take ownership of something that is the right thing to take ownership of and to and to um, be able to look at things and say, you know, is this something that I really need to change or address? Or mm. no, is this their issue? And I'm going to let that be their issue. Yeah, that's good. And if it's a stranger... At a park, not, not taking that, not taking that blame and owning that, you know, no, that not, perspective. Not, not taking the blame. Nope. I think that does take a confidence. 
I feel like in motherhood, there's a growing confidence where you have this newborn and you're like, what? They're going to let me leave the hospital with this thing? I have no idea. And then it's you're up all night the first night. You're like, I can't do this the rest of my life. This is not going to work. I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to take this one back. I can't do this. And then and then it's like one small thing. When they get sick the first time, you're calling the pediatrician on the half hour, every half hour. You don't know what to do. <laughs> and then now I'm to the point where I go to the pediatrician and it's like he tells me something. I'm like, eh. Maybe. Right. I'll take it or leave it. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you're right. I don't I don't think so, but thanks for your perspective. And and just, you know, I don't I don't go to the play date things where all the kids play and I'm comparing and contrasting and oh maybe I should do what they're doing because I'm not you know, I think it's different issues. Should I sign them up for this? Am I ruining yeah. their life if I don't sign them up for that? But it's not parenting wise, I think I'm pretty solid. I'm like what I think is but the right come, thing to do. That's come with time. Exactly. You know? So I think that what every mom needs to understand is that it's okay to embrace where you are. Mm. If you are an extra organized, you are logging your child's poop on the half hour <laughs> on the sheet that they gave you when yes. you left the hospital. You know what color it is. And that makes you feel good, mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. And don't let and if that's what you want to do, don't let anybody else tell you not to do it. And now if it's driving you crazy and someone speaks into your life and says, Hun, you know. It'll be okay. And you just need that release, then embrace that. I, I think we can't we can't afford to feel guilty about the space that we are currently occupying. Mm. You just have to live out where you are based on your knowledge, your perspective, and seek while you're living in your season to gain the wisdom of women who have a perspective you don't have. Mm. But don't exchange that because you're not where they're at. Right. I mean, if you're a young mom and this is new to you and, you know, your kid is sick and you got to call them, call the pediatrician to figure out, okay, what do you need to do? Do it. Do it. Because you haven't done it before. Because you haven't done it before. Yeah. And that's okay. I really believe that each of us has a mama meter and it's kind of like listening to the Holy Spirit. The, The more often you do it, the more you trust it. Right. And so the more often you realize, you know what, I had a hunch. And then the doctor agrees with the hunch. You learn to trust your hunch. Um. When your kid comes home and tells you something and your hunch tells you, mm, that's not the whole story. Right. And you realize that when you seek it out, there was more to it. You learn to trust your hunch. So what's happened is, you know, my mom calls it um, her mojo. And, you know, I think <laughs> <Your> mom <laughs> calls it her <laughs> she calls it her mojo. She said, oh, you know, stars, I she's be from South that. America. So she'll say, you know, I'm from another country and my mojo, you know, I, I listen to my mojo. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you call it your mojo or your hunch or your yeah. mama meter, yeah. that's what you develop over time. Yeah. So seek wisdom, you know, read the books, but then trust your own mothering capability because God gave those kids to you, not right. your neighbor, not the lady that you sit next to at church. He gave them to you. And it's okay if in your mothering season, you realize later that um, you were parenting too tight and you've learned to let go. Or you realize later that you were stressed out and you shouldn't have been. It's it's okay because you can only do what you know to do in the season that you're in. Do the best that you can right now with who you are right now. I think that's really wise because I know moms that have like two or three kids and they get really annoyed with the new moms. Like, oh, I can't believe how they're so worked up about blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, don't you remember back? That was like a big deal. And it's a slow revealing and it's a slow like that inner voice that you're talking about gets louder over time and then and the voices of those around you and the opinions of those around you get smaller 
But yeah. I think that, that that's a really good... You're just... Ugh, we can't afford to feel guilty on for the space we are occupying. No, Wrote but I think that's, down. A good, that's a good tip that, you know, you've got moms of all seasons and ages listening. And yeah. I think that that's something for moms who have been in it a little bit to to remember. Yeah. Give grace to the new moms. Yeah. You know, they don't know what you know. They haven't experienced what you've experienced. They they don't have the years that you have. So instead of kind of having that, why are you doing that? You know, you're going to spoil them. You know, just love on them and just say, you know, can I hold the baby for you? You know what I mean? Do you, yeah. um, you know, give them loving suggestions. You know, they'll be okay if you if you put them down, but in in love, but support their effort. The last thing a new mom needs is to feel bad about how she's doing the job. Yeah. You know, that's the last thing she the last thing she needs. If you can think back to um how you felt when you were a new mom and kind of channel a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the <laughs> just, key. Yeah, yeah, and just think, what did I need when I was in their position? And give it. Well, and so many relationships are changing at that point. Your friend relationships, your spouse relationships. There's a lot to deal with that's outside of the baby thing. Oh, yeah. That I think we oh. forget about. Once you're yep. in mom mode and parenting mode, you, those things have kind of been dealt with. And so I do think I think having grace for that is a good good tip. All right, any other tips that I'm, I we kind of went on a little? I liked it tangent but did you have one written down or anything <laughs> i liked it well um one of my favorite things i might have to do something with this one day i think that if you can learn the rhythm of raising children and and mm. and you will see it after a time but i'm and this is a freebie okay <laughs> 2 12 and 20 are the exact same thing mm. so think about it at 2 a kid learns how to talk and because they now have words and they're trying to figure out how can I use this new skill, they drive you crazy, saying no all the time and wanting to have conversations about everything. And mm. they have a new skill. When they turn 12, that's about the age that kids start really developing their logic and reason. They want to question you on everything, things that they've accepted through elementary school. Now they're going, Mom, that's not the way that it works. Mm. It's the same thing. They've adopted a new skill. They've, mm. they've developed a skill of reason that they didn't have um, developed as much as they did pri in prior years. At 20, you know, 18, 19, 20, it's independence. So mm. now I'm supposed to be grown. The world is telling me that I'm legal. I'm supposed to leave my parents. And they've decided that since they've reached this new level of independence and skill as defined by the world, that they ought to be able to... Um, kind of wrestle with you at that level. So there's this wrestling that happens and we recognize it because we call it the terrible twos or we'll call it adolescence or we'll call it, you know, teenage years. But the reality is it's your kid um, growing into a new set of skills and trying to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. And that's why you can have an adolescent who one day you're like, there's my sweet little kid. And then the next day you're like, who are you? You know, <laughs> because they're trying to figure out yeah. what to do with their new reality. And mm -hmm. if you can realize, and there's a lady that met me in the elevator one time. She said, uh, how old are your kids? We were just talking right in the elevator. And I told her, and at that time, my oldest was 14. And she said, she's probably in her 70s. She said, can I give you some advice? I said, sure. She said, just feel sorry for her. Mm. I said, I'm sorry? She said, just feel sorry for her. She said, would you want to go back and repeat any of that? Well, no, not really. You know, not holistically, no. <sighs> and she said, don't take it personally because it's not about you. 
Mm. When your two-year-old is having a tantrum on the floor, it's not about you. When your 12-year-old is moody, and especially if it's a girl and her cycle's coming, that's not about you. When your 18 and 19, your 20-year-old is, you know, not listening and you're trying to save them from the pits and the landmines of their life and they're not and you're looking at them going, "I'm your mother. Do you realize how much pain it was for me to get you into this world? Why aren't you listening to me?" Right. We tend to take those things personally mm. and then we react that way. Mm-hmm. because we're personally offended that they're talking to us crazy or personally. Mm-hmm. And if we can just say, you know what? I'm sorry that you're having a rough time. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry that you're, you know, I'm going to have to draw these boundary lines, Mr. Two or three-year-old, because you're not obedient. I'm sorry, 18 or 19-year-old, that, um, that you want to do these things that I don't agree with and you're an adult or what have you, but I'm not going to financially support that. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Right. When we take a compassionate view of those stages and realize that it's more about them figuring out how to wear new shoes than trying to kick us in the rear end with the shoes that they have on, then it puts us in a place where we can be a compassionate parent and not a controlling parent. Compassionate, not controlling. Calm, Mm -hmm. compassionate. Mm -hmm. I like that you said set the boundaries too, kind of because with that independence comes the responsibility and kind of you're training them too. That's but right. not taking it personally in the training process. Yeah, That's you're good. separating. You're separating. You're trying to separate the the personal. Em- I mean, you're going to be emotional. It is personal, but as much as you can, separating that from your reaction, because what is happening is not about you. It's about a wrestling that that kid is having with staying in boundary lines, with dealing with new, um, with uh, you know, just new realities in their life with talking or logic or independence. It's it's not about you. They've got to wrestle with their life as a child. And even as an adult, they're going to be wrestling with God long after they leave your house. Yeah. What you want to put yourself in the position of being is this compassionate counselor who with time changes your role with this kid, but that you're always, whether they're 30 or whether they're three, you're always there as this person that loves them, that's compassionate, like you said, calm. Um, but realizing that at the end of the day, you can't control them. Yeah. Well, I think, excuse me, I think that it helps to know in that moment, just hearing you say t- 2, 12, 20, like, oh, it's not about me. I didn't do something wrong. Because I think sometimes even with like the two-year-old things come and you're like, what did I do wrong? Why are they so spoiled? Why are they tantruming? How do I handle this? I'm I'm doing something wrong as a mom. It goes back to that that confidence that that kind of grows in you. And then you can be in control of yourself because you're not reacting, thinking you've done something. Um, oh, this is just normal development. Yeah. You know, and it's just part of this process. Jump in with that. I mean, now I'm I'm hearing this and I want to be very encouraging to mothers and I want to be very, it's going to be okay and relax because I see so many people all twisted in knots about it. But don't let's not get it twisted though. Mm. <laughs> um. My children know who's in charge. My children are aware of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I've done everything from baby-wise to the, I mean, you name it, I've done it. I mean, you know, the the (laughs) grace-based parenting. You did all the books, all the the spectrum. Oh, my God, because I researched, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So I've done the timing your day down to the five-minute increment. You know, I've done that. You name it, I've done it. And what I've realized is different things work for different parents, different things work for different families, and different things work for different seasons. But whatever you choose, however you choose to um, build character and discipline and uh, faith in your children, the boundaries need to be clear. So Mm -hmm. no, if my two-year-old is throwing a tantrum, 
we're going to go to the car. We're going to have a talk. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe they need a snack, maybe whatever. And I'm going to tell them, I mean, I say two, maybe this is four, but I'm going to tell them we're going to go back in the store and I'm going to finish my shopping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) This is how this is going to go. There are consequences. If this isn't, because no, I'm not going to let a child dictate my whole life. Right. Now, you know, two, we have to make sure they're not, you know, we got to make sure their needs are met and they're not dirty and all that. I'm just saying two, 12 or 20, they have to know what the clear boundaries are and what you do in their house. And there have to be um, consequences to those actions. My six-year-old is an extrovert. He's never been alone. He, the, the three boys sleep in a room. Yeah. I don't have to do much for him. I say, baby, if you don't do, stop doing whatever, you're going to have to go in your room. Yeah. No, not my room. You mm-hmm. mean, I'm like, you would think that I'd, he just doesn't want to be alone and yep. he doesn't want to be, and that, that'll do it. But yeah. I'm clear about the boundaries, you know, depending on the kid and depending on the season of our family. Um, so yes, grace is great. And you don't have to be in control of their outcome, but you can be in control of your environment. And the kids need to understand you got to do it. They have to do it your way. Yeah. I I think what you've done, though, is that instead of – we only have so many emotions, right, at one moment. (laughs) And so if we're not expending so many emotions on ourselves – and are shaming ourselves and our, oh, I did such a bad job. And that's why he's throwing this tantrum. And if we can just be like, this is normal. Kids throw tantrums. This is normal. 12-year-olds debate. This is normal. 20-year-olds are going to fight for independence. The emotions can turn towards, all right, now my job in this stage is to direct them on the path of life and keep them, you know, make sure that they see there's a consequence and there's a boundary and, you can do that. That's normal for you to do it, but it's not okay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I love how you said you can take your emotions and pour your emotion into praying because it is mm, hard sometimes. Yeah. And you want to lay out your concerns before the Lord. And people want to read books and they want to go to seminars and conferences and all that stuff is wonderful. But don't forget to pray because so much more can be accomplished not just in your kids, but in you. Mm. I've had the best ideas for discipline when I've said, Lord, teach me what to do right now. I had Mm. uh, my oldest daughter kept leaving her stuff on the stairs. We had a landing on the stairs. She kept leaving her stuff on the stairs. I was tired of talking about it. (laughs) You know, you know, she'd had, you know, three strikes, you're out and she'd lost her privileges or something. It was just, it was like, oh my gosh, I just need. And on this particular day I'd prayed and the Lord was like, just have her do more. Have her do more. Like, like you like sugar, but if you eat too much, it makes you sick. Have her do more. So I said, you know what? Since you don't mind coming down the stairs every time I call you to get what's on the landing, and we're doing this multiple times a day, let's just get all, all the up and down out of the way. You know, I think you're yeah. up and down these stairs about 20 times a day. Let's just run the stairs. Oh, okay. That's what she said. After five or six times, how many more times do I have to do this? <laughs> You need to keep going. 20. Mom, are you kidding me? She did it 20 times. I don't think we ever had to worry about the stairs again. You know, and I had been trying to punish and, you know, trying to create rules and lists and charts and none of those things are bad. But for this kid, my prayer is what gave me a discipline solution that worked. So don't discount prayer um, for God's direction um, for how to deal with your children in general, general and each child specifically. It's not in James. If you ask for wisdom, he'll give it. That's so there right. You go. There you you got it. Get some wisdom. All right, we got a couple more minutes. What any any last tips you got to make sure you tell moms? Um, two things I would say. One is 
smile at your children. Mm, I heard. um, (laughs) No, I know. I know. Toni Morrison was on the the, some Oprah thing. Yes. Oh, I mean, I heard someone mention this just the other day. Tell it. Yes. Yes. And I remember her saying, when your kids walk in the room, smile at them. You don't realize how destructive it can be. For a kid to walk in the room and because, you know, you're in one place mentally and they walk into your space and they're interrupting you, whatever, for you to be like, now, why didn't you go do this? Now, what do you want? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, just and it's not that we mean that. It's just that so much can be accomplished with a welcoming attitude. Mm -hmm. Even if I can't talk to you right now, even if you're interrupting me, even if I need a minute to finish my work, to take your child's hands in your take their face in your hands and say, Hey, I can't talk to you right now, but as soon as I finish, you know, as soon as in our house, as soon as quiet time is over, I'll, I'll, we we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. But to do that with a smile, it just is a really small thing, even that you can force because they don't know you're forcing it, Mm -hmm. but it can accomplish so much in how that child leaves your presence based on how you made them feel. So that would be number one. Number two would be every day when you're evaluating your motherhood. You know, what, however you do that. When you're just when you're thinking about your day, or you're talking to your husband about your week, or you're talking to another mom about how you handle certain things, ask yourself this question: Am I parenting from a place of fear, or am I parenting from a place of faith? Mm. Because if you really believe that God loves your children more than you do, that changes the way you look at how you do your job and what the outcome is with your children. Yeah. It just completely changes your perspective on that. Mm. And I see so many of us parenting out of fear. We just don't want our kids to mess up. We just don't want them to make a mistake. We don't want them to look bad, us to look bad. You know, yeah, I mean, there's all these things, but they're fear-based. They're Mm. not faith-based. We've had some of the best people in life to come from some of the worst circumstances. So God can do a lot um, with something that's placed in his hand. Um, and the last thing I said too, there's there's three. <laughs> I like Com- it. Comparison will kill you. So don't, well, try. <laughs> You're going to have to learn as a mom to encourage yourself about the good parts of your mothering. Mm. Because if all you do is compare your mothering to somebody else, the only thing that you're going to come up with is what's bad about them or what's bad about you. And that's not what you want to be left with. What you want to say is, you know what? Yeah, sure, I can do better. Or sure, I can learn this tip. But what do I do good with my kids? I'm never going to be super organized. Mm-hmm. But my kids are going to remember that we read on the couch for hours and hours and hours. I'm never going to be the mom that has a gourmet, beautiful Pinterest-ready dinner on the dinner table. But we're going to sure enough eat spaghetti for the third time this week on paper plates. And I'm going to go outside and throw football with my kids. Those are my strengths. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I don't work on the other things. But I have to learn to encourage myself with what I do that makes me my mom's kid. As Dr. Laura said, I am my mom's kid. I love mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. that's the only, you're the only mother, um, the only person that can fulfill that role. Even if you're a stepmom, you are the only person that can fill those shoes. So fill them well, the way that God designed you and in the parenting relationship he gave you with those kids. Love that. I think that's awesome. So I think y'all... With Mother's Day, I think it would be good to just sit down and think about it. Like, what am I? I'm not going to be all the moms. I'm not going to be the crafty mom, and the organized mom, and all of that. Free yourself to narrow in on what what kind of mom are you, and what are you doing well, and 
play to your strengths and again that inner voice of confidence that you're doing a good thing in what you're doing and how God made you so that's awesome Crystal you're the best where would they find you online just so they can you know I'll have it in the show notes so they can follow you because I think that a lot of people could connect with a lot of different parts of your story so where would they find you online real quick um, crystalevanshurst.com. Okay. If you Google, even if you misspell my first name, you'll find me, I think. I'm pretty sure. We tried um, it, didn't we try it? We did, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we did. <laughs> um, so that's where I am online and I blog and all that fun stuff there and podcast. And then I'm everywhere on social media, but my favorite is Instagram. Yeah. I love Instagram. Yeah, you're good at Instagram. <laughs> I just take tons of pictures. It's kind of ridiculous. I have to have somewhere to put them. <laughs> <laughs> another obsession thanks. this was fun thanks for being on the god center mom podcast thanks for having me girl all right we'll have to have you back again okay you all just right. name the time i'll be ready i like to talk <laughs> i know you do <laughs> all right happy mother's day all right you too babe. i hope you enjoyed this episode of the god center mom podcast if you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.